0: So as I was thinking about this series, I wanted to talk about this idea of the birth of Jesus. Because the birth of Jesus has so many implications, so many ramifications for our practical ramifications for our day to day lives. And, and and sometimes we say, Oh, yeah, I know all about the birth, and we do. And sometimes we know too much and we don't know anything. And and I want to ask you a few questions as we get started. Do you ever feel like you really, you wonder, do I really matter to God? Does he? I mean, I'm just a small peon here in the in the scheme of things. Do I really matter? I mean, I know Matt gets up there on a weekend and says you matter to God. I know the, the there's John three sixteen that God so loved the world he loved me. I, I get that, but but doesn't God get overwhelmed because I surely do. Maybe you say. I just I'm from a bigger family or I'm I, I feel like when I'm in a group of people I just get lost in the sauce. I mean, I'm just like I'm not there and, and, and sometimes I feel like mm, that no one notices me or no one knows and if I wasn't there no one would care. Or maybe you you're you're the you're saying you know I'm coming to the holiday season and it's, it's been a tough year. And and I don't really have a lot of hope. I'm struggling right now. I, work's not going well. I've lost somebody very close to me, and I'm struggling right now. How do you find? Oh, and, and I just want to say to you that I, I believe that this message will will speak to all of those areas. I believe that his birth will will bring incredible joy. And what we're going to look at, we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter two, verses eight through fourteen. That just that little section. And I want to just give you the context. If you want to turn in the chair, Bible, uh, page seven eighty one is where we're going to be. And and it's it, it's kind of interesting because Luke of of the gospel accounts tends to be the historian. He wrote not only the Gospel of Luke but the Book of Acts, and he is he's writing history, and he's giving his account of Jesus and the early church in the Book of Acts, the early church in. The Gospel of Luke, Jesus, and so now here he's giving us his account of the birth of Jesus, and he does that in verses one through seven, and he does it like an engineer. We have a lot of engineers in this crowd, and and it's just matter of fact. I mean, essentially Luke's account is, let me read it. This and if you read verses one through seven, there's virtually no emotion, none. Basically, Joseph and Mary travel to a little town of Bethlehem. Shortly after arriving, they find a very modest place where Mary gives birth to Jesus and wraps Him up like a little mummy. I mean, essentially, that's what it comes down to. That's what He says in verses 1 through that. And there's no emotion. There's virtually, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and boom, there's a baby, you know? And you go, okay. And then you get to verse 8, and there's fireworks. But the fireworks aren't on earth. They're in the heavens. Because something is going on that earth doesn't get. Something is happening that is significant about this birth that even Mary and Joseph and the rest around them in Bethlehem do not understand. But heaven does. And heaven is rocking. So let me read you that account. Because there's, there's an amazing amount of fireworks going on in the heavens. So let me pick up that passage at verse 8, Luke chapter 2. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared unto them among them, and the, uh, the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you... Good news. Now, just stop there. When the angel says, I bring you good news, that's the Greek word, euangelion, just means it's whenever you see gospel or good news, in trans- it's the same word. And, and gospel was a secular word, euangelion was a secular word, and it was meant to be when a messenger brought really, incredibly good news. And so what? The, the Bible does is it takes this word euangelion and it pours new meaning into it, meaning it's not just good news, it's the best news ever. And, and we, we, we talk about the gospel and we just think it always means that Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross and he rose again on the third day. Well, that was what it became. But it, but the, the angel is saying something really good just happened. So here's let's pick it up again. He says, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find the baby wrapped up snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Like I said, he was wrapped up like a mummy, little, little baby mummy in a, in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven praising God, saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to to those with whom God is pleased. Here's the idea I want you to take away this weekend. God's plan of salvation is revealed to everyone and it brings joy and hope to all who believe. Now, a couple of questions I want to address here. The first one is, why did the angels come to the shepherds. Why the shepherds? Why not just go directly to Mary and Joseph? Why not just boom right there? But they don't. They go to the shepherds, and uh, the angels didn't go to the religious leaders. They didn't go to the political leaders. They brought the good news to shepherds. Uh, what is uh, surprising is that if you were going to deliver an important message, you probably wouldn't go to shepherds. Now. Some commentators say the shepherds were known to be vigilantes and and stuff, and maybe there were i don 't know uh, i don 't think that 's the issue. I think the shepherds were the the lower tier uh, common uh, workers. I think they were kind of smelly and stinky, and uh, I just don 't think you, you you kind of wanted to hang around them and they were just kind of a little rough on the edges, and they weren 't refined. And all of a sudden, here they are, they're out of the field at night, they're taking care of their sheep, somebody's at watch, and all of a sudden, angels begin to appear. And one brings this message, and then there's just a chorus in heaven. I mean, heaven explodes with a cosmic explosion of praise, and the the shepherds are like, Help! They're they're just beside themselves. So the question is, why the shepherds? And I think there's two reasons why that uh, that uh, the shepherds are the ones that are given the message. Number one, Jesus was in danger. He was born into a dangerous world. Herod sought to kill him once he heard the news. The Son of God was in a very vulnerable position during Mary's pregnancy and in his early years. In fact, we know from one Gospel account that Joseph and Mary fled because of the danger that he was in. Secondly, God is showing that the message of the good news is for all people, shepherds included, from the top to the bottom. And Jesus Jesus was very careful uh, when he made that clear oftentimes Jesus would go to the people that no one else would go to the blind, the lame, the dumb and he would go to the children one time the children came and, and the disciples said no, shoo, shoo, shoo and Jesus said no, no, no the kingdom of God belongs to these even and so Jesus was saying "The king, the good news is not just for the religious elite not for those who have arrived not for those who have their lives together it's for everyone for the, for the top to the bottom, for the rich for the poor, for the, the, the weak and the strong, for the adults and the children, for the men and the women, for whatever race, it was for everyone. And so bringing the message through the shepherds was God's way of saying, this message is incredibly important and I'm trusting it with common people. You know, he does the same thing today. Do you know that? He's entrusted the gospel to us to be the shepherds, to bring the gospel, to bring the good news to us. <laughs> so the me- so that's it. Now, the message is even more important. What message did he deliver? Well, in that day, the Roman ruler Augustus, he was able to bring relative peace throughout his area and through the district. And, and he had done such a, a, a good job... And, and I don't know if there was a lot of, you know, uh, because you're a ruler, you can have people like you because they have to and stuff. But essentially he brought peace. And so they decided that they would make the new year begin on his birthday in honor of his work of bringing peace throughout the region. Not only that, they, they put a monument up, and you could see the monument today, and the inscription on the monument is kind of interesting. The inscription says this: "The birthday of the god mark, the birthday of the God marked the beginning of the good news for the world and so the, the inscription is inferring that, that this ruler is the one who brought peace, and, and he is the one who has brought this good news, this, this great Peace that we're experiencing. And he's, in, and he's a God. And it's no accident that Luke comes to the shepherds and he says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And he says, not a ruler, a savior, a Messiah, a Lord has come. He has come. He has been born today. So what Luke is saying is, yes, uh, uh, this was a good Roman ruler. He brought peace. But let me tell you about the ultimate ruler. Let me tell you about the one who brings real peace. Let me tell you about the real Lord, the real Savior, the real Messiah, the ultimate God. Luke is saying Jesus is the one who brings the real peace. He is the real Savior. He is the Messiah, the Lord we've all been waiting for. The Messiah has come. The Savior has been born. The Lord has arrived. And all of a sudden, the angels are jumping for joy in the sky. They're rejoicing in heaven. And by the way, let me just say this. The day that you called upon the Lord, the day that you asked Christ to be your Savior... The day that you bowed your knee to Jesus and Jesus, I'm lost and helpless and hopeless. You're my only hope. The day you did that, heaven rejoiced again. Shepherds are struck with fear. The angels are moved to powerful praise. What's going on here? Why why is this taking place? Because God is making a major move here. God is making a major move in redemptive salvation history. The promise of the Messiah has been from long ago, through the prophets. And now the major step is taking place. What is the step? That God is becoming flesh. The Son of God is becoming flesh. The angels have been waiting for this moment and are ready with a powerful blast, praise they know this is big they have waited for this moment for a long time it's almost as though some of you are going to leave the, today and you're going to go home and you're going to watch some football or something like that and you your t- your team is going to score or they're going to make a great play and you're going to cheer saying, yes and that's what the angel is doing but they're doing it at a cosmic level you see here, here's the interesting thing earth does not get what's taking place but heaven does And heaven is rocking. Now, what lessons can we learn from this incredible event? I think there's two I want to look at. The first one is, there is a spiritual world eagerly waiting, uh, watching the real-life events that are taking place here on earth. The appearance of the angels shows us that there is indeed a spirit world that is interested and intimately involved in the world that we're living in. Whether you see it or not, whether you believe it or not, the Bible says that there is a world that we can't see that is taking place, even in this room right now, that there is a spirit world. And that that world is eagerly involved and anticipating and watching what's taking place we often fail to recognize in our own daily lives that this other world exists and is, is, is uh, influencing this world that we live in. And we need to understand that sometimes there is a battle taking place behind the scenes that we never see. Paul put it this way in Ephesians chapter 6, "...put on the whole armor, or all the armor of God, so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies." but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against the evil spirits in heavenly places. Have you ever considered that what you went through this week when somebody said something or did something and you responded in a very negative way or you you just kind of gave into it, you gave into the flesh or whatever, do you understand that there is an enemy that is just cheering that behavior on? Well, the devil didn't make you do it. You chose to do it. Flip Wilson was wrong. But let me say this. There are angels in heaven that are cheering when you say, you know what, what this person said, what this person did hurt me. If someone says or does something that is hurtful, you must take care not to allow the enemy to get a foothold in your life by putting up walls, by seeking revenge, by choosing to gossip, by wishing to their ruin. And the enemy rejoices when we do that. But... Heaven rejoices when we don't. And we say, no, 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 no. I've got to remember there's a spiritual battle. Paul points it out. The angels in heaven revealed. They opened up heaven. And for a moment, the shepherds saw something that no one else that day saw. God even now is rolling out His plan of salvation. He is not using shepherds. He's using us. We are the messengers. The angel said to the shepherds, You go take the good news and let Mary and Joseph know. Let let them know what God is doing. Let them know what's taking place. Now Mary had hints of it. She treasured it in her heart. Didn't really understand it. Understandable. Neither would we. But God has called us to be His messengers and the angels love watching the action they chant and cheer for us heaven rejoices as over one sinner who repents i love the verse in first peter where it says now this good news has been announced to you by those who preach in the power of the holy spirit sent from heaven it was so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen it's almost like we're in the battle. We're in the game. And the angels are sitting on... They're engaged in it, but stick with me here for the picture. But they're cheering when there's a victory. They're cheering when, when, when God's kingdom is taking a step forward. And it's this, this cosmic thing that is going on. And, and what took place that night on that hilltop was it heaven opened up. And it rejoiced. Here's the second thing I want to pull from that. God has a plan. He's always had a plan. And we need to trust His plan. <laughs> the, the birth of Jesus was planned a long time ago. Let, let me read you a passage. Now, you're not going to be able to understand this passage. I don't understand this passage. Paul writes in Ephesians 1, he says this. All praise to God. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Because we are reunited with Christ. Here's where it gets a little tricky. Even before he made the world, God loved us. And chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ that is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure now you heard me right what this if you heard me say that God chose us before we were even there you heard it right and 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 it says that we were adopted into his family and the adoption he is Thrilled with it. (laughs) He's so happy with it. God, and so so there's a few things we can draw from this, and it gives us an idea of, of God's eternal plan. You see, that's what the angels are rejoicing about, because this eternal plan now is coming step by step. And this is a big play. It's a big play from heaven that God, Jesus, His Son, comes to earth, And Jesus takes upon Himself human flesh. It is a big play. And the angels are going, Whoa! He threw long. Right? Does God love us? Yeah, even before you were born. Wrap your brain around that one. Before He made the world, God loved you. Does God have a plan for you? Yes, to adopt this into his family. And that brings him great pleasure. Does your life matter to God? Yes. Why? Because it matters to him. It mattered to him so much that he sent his son and Jesus willingly took upon himself human flesh. And we haven't even gotten to the cross yet. God hasn't uh, forgotten you He will never marginalize you. You matter so much that He sent His Son. He sent His Son, the Messiah, the promised one. The prophet said, one will come. He will be the ultimate David. He will be the ultimate ruler. He'll be the ultimate one, the promised one, the Messiah, the anointed one. But He's not just that. He's a Savior. Mary was told, His name will be called Jesus, for He will save His people. Because we need to be saved. He will be not just a Messiah. He will not just be a Savior. He will be the Lord. Lord of lords. He won't be just a Caesar. He won't just be a ruler. He'll be the King of kings and Lord of lords. Paul is saying in this passage, God knew you before you were you. He had a plan. He has a plan. He always has a plan. And our job is to trust Him. Now here's where we get... here's the the point I want you to see. We may not always understand what God is doing, but we can always choose to trust Him. And that's the rub. And that's where the rubber meets the road. And that's where it gets difficult. We, we may not always understand what He's doing, but our job isn't to understand. Our job is to trust. Right? Job said, Though He slay me yet, I will still trust Him. I don't like. And think about this for a minute. Some people say, Well, you know, if. God just told me what He was planning to do. It would be easier for me. I just, I just, this thing I struggle with that He never tells me. He never lays it out. And some of you are thinking, "Boy, it would be good to know what's going and, and to happen between now and the end of the year." Really? I don't think so. I mean, what if, what if let us let, play it out in Job's life? Job was the, the Old Testament saint that basically lost everything. Let's let's just play that out. And, and so God comes to Job and says, Job, hey, you know, here's what I'm thinking. Tell me what you think. Um, I'm thinking that uh, we're probably going to have this duel. It's not that Satan and I are equals, but uh, I, I've got to prove a point and, and I'm going to use you to prove the point. Okay. All right. So what does that entail, God? All right. So the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to lose everything. Oh, and did I mention you're going to lose your family? Except for your wife. We're going to keep her around because she's going to be part of the plan. <laughs> Not in a good way, by the way. Um, but you're going to lose everything you have. You're going to lose your family. And that's just round one. Now, round two and choke us timeout. <laughs> I think round one's enough. No, no, no. We need to do round two. So round two is going to be you're going to lose your health. You're, you are going to be in such a miserable shape. That you're just going to be, you're going to be a mess. You're just going to be tormented. You're just going to be in agony and, and pain, and there's going to be nothing that's going to relieve that. You're just going to be incredible in, in, in agony. You are going to wish you were dead. And by the way, that's where my, that's where your wife's going to come in and tell you you ought to end it. Okay, the little blessing she is. Um, and that's round two. And then we go to round three. Round three. I don't even want to do round one and round two. No, round three is where your friends come. Oh, that's good. And, And they're going to sit with you for a few days and they're just going to kind of just be there for you and be a strength for you. And then they're going to start thinking about how they want to help you. And they're going to tell you why you're suffering. And most of their arguments are going to be you're suffering because you did something wrong. Because God doesn't punish innocent people. And God is punishing you, so therefore you're not innocent. So what did you do? Come clean. Now, if you were Job, would you want to know that? Would you want to? I would say, okay, God, I am just honored that you would want me to do that. But I know a guy named Joe, <laughs> And I'll tell you what, he's so much better than me. Now, you, you know, you get my point. But the, the point is, knowing in advance is overrated. What God is doing is He's bringing order back to creation, one life at a time. And He's asking us to join Him. And He's saying, I have a plan. I've always had a plan. Would you trust me? He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your family. He has a plan for this church. And and, and Colossians says this, I love the summary that Paul gives us. God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through Him reconciled everything to Himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. You see, that night the angels could not help but rejoice when they saw that God was moving in a powerful but vulnerable way to bring the world back to Himself. It was incredibly costly. It would cost Jesus his life ultimately. And so the angels could do nothing else but praise God. Now, God's plan includes you and me. He uses common people like fishermen and shepherds and tax collectors, and he hasn't changed. God uses people who don't measure up, who don't have their lives figured out yet. By the way, let me just say one quick thing, and I'm going to talk about this sometime in 2015. I believe that there's a mentality within the church today that once you come to Christ, that you're light, you better have your life together and you better behave as though everything's working right so then when I see you as a pastor, I see you and you got your life together, behind the scenes it's an absolute mess. And so you're playing this, this two-tier Thing. and God is going, I'm not sure why you're doing that because I'm not expecting you to have your life together or be perfect, you think, just because you trust Christ and I com- and Christ comes into your life that automatically, ba-boom, you're perfect, you're, uh, you never have bad thoughts, you never do bad things, you never uh, uh, still have patterns that need to be fixed You know, over time. You think you've arrived just because you've come to me. Now, you have been forgiven legally standing. You're before God. You have peace with God. But that doesn't mean your life is all fixed up. But yet we put on this this facade that we've got it all figured out. Can I just say this as your pastor? And I've been a Christian for 30, I don't know how many years, but longer than 30 years. I don't have my life figured out yet. I still say and do terrible things. I, I have terrible thoughts. My life isn't there yet. It, it's not going to be there yet. And... And some of you know that. Some, some of you, I've, I've had to come back and apologize to you. We're not talking about perfection. We're not talking. See, see, God isn't saying, I need to find perfect people to bring the message. He found shepherds. People who were imperfect. People who didn't have a life together. And God just said, would you declare this message? Would you bring this message to Mary and Joseph? And they did. And God says to us, I'm not looking for perfect people because you're not perfect. And and that leads me to the last thing I want to say. You may be here and you may be thinking, I'm just not good enough. I don't measure up. I don't deserve it. And I want to say to you, you're absolutely correct. You don't. But neither am I. But thank God that's not the point. Maybe it is the point. We all need help. We all aren't good enough. We all sin and fail. We all need a Savior. And that's why it's such good news. That's why Jesus came. Because we were drowning and we can't save ourselves. Jesus came came to help everyone who needs help. And whoever calls out to Jesus for help will be helped. They will find joy. They will find peace. They will find hope. They will rejoice like the angels. And that's the gospel. That's why the angels are so excited. That's why when a person repents and comes to Christ, heaven rejoices because they realize that healing can come then. Healing doesn't always come boom. Most of the time it doesn't. But it does come little by little. So as I close, I just want to ask you a question. Have you ever called out to Jesus? If not, when? Why not now? Why not today? I mean, what are you waiting for? If you're here and you say, I just don't know. I just want to ask you, what's your other options? Sometimes when I ask people, have you ever called upon Jesus? Well, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm there yet or I'm ready yet. You you don't have to get ready. That's the whole point. You come as you are. You come as somebody who is hopeless and helpless, who's drowning, who says, "Um, you're my only hope. You're You're my only prayer. Without you, I have no hope. I have no forgiveness. I have no salvation. I am drowning and I need a Savior. And unless you reach down and save me, I'm dead. Until you come to that point, you will not come to salvation. And I just want to say, sometimes I talk to people and they say, well, I just don't know. I mean, and I'm just thinking, what's your other options? I mean, it, they, some people act like I've got five other good options. No, you don't. There are no other options. And you know it. And I just want to say one last thought. If you're here today and you feel like your life doesn't matter, you feel like no one cares, feel like your life is insignificant, I just want to say to you that we're all humans and we're all inadequate and we're all vulnerable and we all feel that way at one time or the other. I mean, you always look at other people's lives and you think, wow, well, they, they have all these friends. You know, I'll tell you what. They might have some friends, but I'll tell you this. There is somebody that loves you more than you'll ever dream of. And when that starts taking root in your life, you'll never be alone. You'll know that your life isn't significant, insignificant because it's significant to Him. You'll know that your life matters because it matters to Him. You know that your life is not an accident because He has a plan. Before you were even made, He has a plan. And I just want to say to you, the angels rejoiced because God took a long step from heaven to earth because He loves you. And when you call upon Him, He will do what He said He would do to the woman at the well. I will fill your life. I will give you hope. I will give you joy. I will give you peace. I will give you life. Refreshing life. And if that's what you want, you know where to find it. I'd love to talk with you after this service. But don't go through this Christmas without the hope and the joy that only Jesus can give. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. And so, Father... Thank you for that incredible event that took place in the heavens that night over Bethlehem. Heaven got it. Earth kind of didn't. And I think the same is true today, Father, in many ways. Earth doesn't necessarily get it. May we understand there is a spiritual battle going on. There is a spiritual world that is real and is intimately influencing this world that we live in. Thank you, Father, that before the foundation of the world, before we were even born, you loved us and had a plan. You have a plan for our lives right now. You love us. We matter. You care for us. Help us to trust you. Help us to understand that you're fully invested in us. And we thank you for that, Father. And we give you praise for the birth of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.